Welcome to Homebuilders. We're going to go ahead and get started. Come on in, find a seat, and uh, Lord willing, we can uh, have a great, great morning together. All right. This is our last lesson in the book of James. Sorry to see this series come to an end, but I'm excited about our next series. And our next series is going to be on the questions Jesus asked. And I'm focusing on the questions that Jesus asked in relationship to Easter, to his death, burial, and resurrection, the time afterwards uh, in particular. But there'll be a couple lessons prior to the resurrection that we'll be addressing questions that Jesus asked his disciples. And I think those are ones that obviously, I hope for all of us in here, that we would consider them questions that Jesus would ask us. And how would we respond with, if Jesus were to ask us those questions? And they're, they're actually, I mean, God really put it down this week, this past week. Um, in fact, I was just overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit began crying during the service because of some of the things that he helped me narrow it down to, literally. And um, because there's at least 130 questions Jesus specifically asked. Okay? And from that, most of those, when he's asking it, it was directed to an individual or to a group, very specific, and it goes right to the bone and marrow. Because it really addressed important issues. So we'll pick that up. Lord willing, starting next week, I believe we'll get through this lesson today. Uh, I know some of you are shocked to hear that, but uh, we'll probably get through this lesson today. James 5, 13 to 20. Now, I say 13 to 20 because that's going to be the focus of it, but our introduction act is actually coming from verse 12 because we ended with verse 11 last week. So verse uh, 12, though, uh, let me go ahead and read this as the general perspective for the entire lesson, and then we're going to go back to 12. Is anyone among you in trouble? Can I get a witness? Okay. Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, now this is kind of like the capstone, the conclusion of the entire book of James. If one of you should wander from the truth, and what is the truth that we've been addressing the theme of the book of James? What's the theme of the book of James? Faith without works is dead. So in other words, don't just say, I have faith, but you don't put your faith to works. He says, if you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. In other words, a person who's living out their life, but they're really not putting their faith into practice. And they've wandered from the truth of what he's trying to communicate here. In other words, I don't need church. I don't need Christians in my life. I don't need to do anything because I'm saved. I'm going to heaven and that's all that matters. And James is like, 
Uh, no. You've got to put it into works, into your daily life. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. And we're going to get into something, and I'm going to just say this. Hold the pin out, throw the grenade, okay? This isn't typically, this lesson is going to be a little different than I think you, you anticipate because a lot of the people interpret this passage a certain way. And I want to make it real clear to everybody here, um, and hopefully we'll walk away inspired and encouraged and enlightened. But let's go back to verse 12, okay? Uh, we ended last week with verse 11, and really 12 is, stand, is a standalone, and it's the introduction for today's class. Let your word be your bond, okay? Let your word be your bond. Someone read for me James 5.12. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven, or by earth, or anything else. All you need to say is either yes or no, otherwise you will be condemned. In other words, we're dealing with some, James is talking about something here. Do you think people can be trusted today with their word? As a general principle, can you trust what somebody says? And it depends probably on what? Who, who, who the person is. Okay? Somebody you know that you may go, I've, I've talked to them a dozen times, and every time it, uh, they, they either don't show up, doesn't change, and what do we tend to do then? We just stop asking them. Okay? We just, because we know their word doesn't mean anything. Okay? Why don't we trust people's word today? Sometimes we do. I don't want to misunderstand. There are people that you can trust. Hopefully, you can trust your own family. Okay? That's not always the case. Why do people stop trusting in somebody? Why don't we trust people today? Because they've lied to you before. Because they've lied to you before. Because <laughs> there's usually a motivation behind it. Yeah, because there's usually a motivation behind why they're not telling you the truth or following through. Okay? Why do people swear by heaven or earth, etc.? Old Testament examples include Abraham and his oath with Abimelech regarding a well. He, he swore an oath. Okay, um, Abraham and his servant when he went for uh, to fight a wife uh, for Isaac. Do you remember what he asked him to do? I'm glad we don't do this today. To be honest with you, anybody remember? Yeah, take your hand and put it under my thigh and swear to me. He's like, okay, buddy. <laughs> God bless him. But there was a symbolism to that. Okay? And it was very powerful. And so they, they made him swear an oath. And then the two spies, oath to Rahab. Okay? We're going we're gonna to have an oath here. We're going to commit an oath to you. And they would do this. And sometimes they would uh, do it in relationship to um, a, a variety of things. I swear to the temple. You know? What, do we, what have we used in our culture historically? On my mother's grave. I swear on my mother's grave. What else? A stack, stack of Bibles. Not just one. A whole stack of them. Okay, and we've used it, obviously, in court. We, we, we go, okay, you know, I, I put my hand on the Bible, and, and I swear that, you know, to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me what? Uh, God. Okay? They just want to make it sound more serious. 
Yeah, yeah, they want to make lying. it sound like it's yeah. People yeah. that are lying just want to make it sound right. more authentic. Yeah, it seems just seems more authentic, you know. <laughs> Above all, he says, "Do not swear." Sets this apart. This is not a suggestion, but a command. So if we see, if we look back at Matthew five thirty three and thirty seven, the issue is, is Jesus wants us to just make your yes be yes and your no be no. Okay, Matthew five thirty three and thirty seven. Again, you've heard it that it was said that to people long ago. Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. So in other words, when you, when you committed an oath to the Lord in the Old Testament, it was a bond. You, in fact, you would be judged by God if you broke that bond. So he said, be careful not to do, do oaths just flippantly because you could be judged for it. But Jesus speaking here says, but I tell you, okay, that's what they did in the Old Testament. That's what they did with the prophets. But Jesus said, I'm going to tell you something that I think is for what we need to be really doing. Do not swear on an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. You can today, but hey, we're not going to go there. <laughs> All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. So in other words, what he's saying here at the beginning is, let's be truthful in everything we communicate, while also understanding that we, we should season everything with grace. Okay? In other words, we don't necessarily have to communicate everything. That's not what he's asking here. But he's saying, when you say something to somebody, just... Make your word the truth. When you say, I'll be there, be there. When you, when you commit to something, just commit to the something. Don't, don't try to add to it to spiritualize it. Just follow through on your word. Because again, that's what this is about, right? Faith without works is dead. Don't just say one thing and not do it. Put it into practice. He says, condemned is, condemned is a term for eternal judgment and not chastisement. Why? James is saying those who do this have an unsaved heart, an unregenerate heart. If you don't, if your word is not your bond, if you're faking it till you make it, if you're just making yourself look good spiritually, that is an outward sign of inward death. Okay? In other words, faith without works is dead. So in other words, if you go, yeah, I'll be there. I have no intention to be there, but at least I want to look good to make them feel good for right now. You know, they'll understand. It's no big deal. It's, it's like a lot of things that we do. We, we make commitments in relationships. We can make commitments to jobs. We can make commitments to people. God expects us to fall through on that. I've already read this. The prayer is powerful. This is the whole section from the book of James that we're going to be focusing on primarily today. Okay? What happens when these things are out? Now, again, remember, he's writing to the displaced Jews who are being persecuted. Okay? So are you in trouble? Pray. If things are going great for you, sing. Praise the Lord. Okay? If you're sick, call the elders of the church together and have them pray over you. Now, here's the issue, though. When we get into this, how should a follower of Christ resp respond during crises? 
Okay? Pray. Pray. So often, I know it was in my own life, when crises come, I'm trying to figure out how to fix it. I'm trying to figure out how to make it work. I'm trying to figure out how to finagle what, what's going to do financially. I'll figure this out. I'll figure that out. I'll make this happen. I'll do this. And he says, stop, Lou. Pray. Now, of, of course, we understand prayer isn't just you know, a, a past activity that we do that we don't really focus on that. And we just, okay, what do we do next? There is activity that has to be involved. Okay? Uh, you know, it's like... Um, Thanksgiving time. I remember Jerry Sr. used to talk about, you know, um, we, we look there, we go, you know, God helps those who help themselves. It's not going to get in there. You've got to feed yourself, you know. It's like we were had, went out last night with Crystal and the kids, and we were eating dinner, and I kept on going over and over to Zachary, take another bite. Take another bite because they put us in this great room, but it had SpongeBob SquarePants on. And he's okay. I'm going to shut the TV off if you don't do shut the TV off. We shut it off. It's like eat, and then we can do the other stuff. It's like yeah. It's like otherwise it's just like you know, you got to do something. You got to finish out what you start. It's awesome. And he did great, by the way. How should a follower of Christ respond when life is great? Sing songs of praise. Okay. Now, I'm going to say something again, not to be offensive to anybody, but I, I want to communicate this, okay? I recognize every one of us have different talents and gifts, okay? But God has called us all to sing, sing praise. Again, it may be for you a noise. I get that. But it, you may not feel comfortable verbalizing your song, but at least be singing it in your heart. Singing out in your heart rather than being a spectator to singing. Okay? No judgment here. God knows the heart. Man looks on the outward, God looks on the heart. But don't avoid singing. You go, but I, I, I don't like to sing. Get over it. Sing. Sing. Give praise to the Lord. Give thanks to God. How should a follower of Christ respond when they're ill? Now, this is where it gets a little difficult. Okay? Because most of us in here view this primarily from a physical illness. A certain type of illness that isn't fixed by typically by medicine. Okay? And the word that's actually used here, and in the context of this, it primarily does not mean physical illness. Because if you keep it along the theme of the book of James, its focus is on faith that works. Okay? The word for ill can mean both physically ill or injured, okay? Or emotionally defeated and in need of reassurance. That's hardly ever communicated by anyone. That this passage means emotional frustration, depression, okay? But it, it's used in the scriptures of, of those who were sick. They were anointed with oil. But primarily, let's say they were injured. What did they use oil for? 
Remember the parable of the Good Samaritan. What did he do when the person injured along, found him alongside the road? Does anybody remember? He anointed him with oil. In other words, the oil was meant to help heal the wounds. And that's where this word is also used here. So they anointed him, he anointed that guy against the road with oil and wine to kill the germs and to heal it, okay? And it also here primarily is looking at the issue, so what do we do then, okay? We pray over and anoint the person with oil. This was used to bring physical healing, okay? And it was used for that. So I don't want to diminish that at all. But pray over and encourage the believer whose faith and perseverance were in trouble. I think this primarily, and I've looked at multiple commentaries on this, most of them would agree with this perspective right here is the primary idea of what he's trying to get across. Have you ever known someone emotionally defeated in the church? Discouraged. They just want to quit. They don't want to live the Christian faith anymore. They're tired and frustrated with being a follower of Christ. They just don't have the faith to believe anymore. They said, bring that one before the elders to pray over them and anoint them with oil. The key is authenticity. The Christian life is one of don't fake it till you make it. Authenticity is the key. But let me just say this, folks. A lot of times, we don't feel comfortable to share the truth. It's like that old movie, you can't handle the truth. And in honesty, most of us fear honesty in the church because we're afraid of what someone may say about us, begin to judge us, begin to say what, you know, talk about us, that we become the prayer request for the church or something else. The issue is, is that when, when a person is discouraged, the body is where they need to go to. When they're spiritually, emotionally distraught and frustrated, they don't have the faith to put it into works anymore. They're done. They're tired. They, they quit spiritually. Get them help. They need to come before the church and say, I just need help. I need healing emotionally. I'm done. I just don't feel comfortable anymore. Being a Christian, do you know how many people walk away from the church and they may never even get a phone call? The body is designed to build relationships so that when someone is missing, someone recognizes it. It doesn't always have to be the pastor. That's what we are for is the body. Man, I was so grateful this week, you know, when I didn't, Robert and Deborah didn't let us know that they went to UVA, but someone else did. That way we could immediately begin to pray. That's what the body is for. That's what we're for here. Do we keep up with each other? Because not everybody in the midst of going through a difficult time is going to think, you know, I've got responsibilities here. I've got to let the church know. I've got to let Lou know what I got, to, you know, or whatever. It's just somebody. Somebody follows through on it. And that's what we're here for, the body coming together. The prayer of faith will heal them. How? The Bible says the Lord will heal them, and the Lord will heal them. The Lord will heal them. Emotionally, they will get through that trial. They will begin to have faith again. They'll begin to believe again. They'll have that hope again. But it will come from the body coming together. And then listen to this. See, 
this is where prosperity theology is junk. Because they will use this out of context. See, well, the reason you're sick is you got sin in your life. Hello, Job's friends. You're going through a tough time, though it must be sin. But you know what? A lack of faith is sin. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. He'll make it straight. Faith, without faith, it is what? Yes. Impossible to please Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Without faith and putting it into works, is we cannot, cannot live this Christian life a part of it. But if they've sinned, and they just don't want to have faith anymore. They don't want to believe. God, and they'll confess it, God, I just don't have faith to trust in you anymore. I've been hurt. I've been bothered. This is going on in my life. I never expected this. God, help me. And when the brothers, the elders of the church get together and lay hands on them and anoint them with oil, if they confess it, God, I confess my sin of faithlessness. God will forgive them. God will heal them. Confession of sin is vital to healing. Righteous prayers are powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous man, woman, the King James, avails much. It works. And when the body comes together to help them through that, God works. And when we confess that as sin, we realize, hey, this is not somebody else's problem. This is my issue. I'm the person who's lacking faith right now. It's not your faith that I need. It's my faith. My, I, I just don't trust anymore. I need to confess that and move on with my life to trust God because he can answer whatever I'm going through. He can help me through this trial, this situation. So what am I doing when I'm going through trouble? Pray. And if you're going through a great time in your life, God's blessing if God's blessing your life right now, say amen. Amen. Sing. <laughs> awesome. And then he gives examples. He goes, oh, let me just provide, these are Jews displaced. He goes, remember Elijah? And he asked God for not to rain. Now, can you imagine this? It didn't rain for three and a half years. You think, okay, we go, okay, it doesn't rain. So we'll get, you know, from Pedro's mountain, it'll be fine. Uh, okay, well, we'll get it from the James. What if the James and all the lakes are too far gone? In three and a half years, there's not going to be anything alive. Nothing. He says, he was a man like you are. He was human, just like you are. Think about that. So James, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem says, hey, remember Elijah? He was a guy just like you are. And he asked God for something. He believed it. And God did it for him. And then he prayed again, and it rained, and the crops came back. Woo-hoo. All he's saying is, do we believe our prayers can be answered? I'll never forget reading Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Simmel the first time. 
He had a wayward child. As a pastor of a church, when you have a wayward child, that's challenging. It's challenging. And you know, some of you in here know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay? You've got a child that's not going the way of the Lord the way you would want it to. And he, he wrote that book primarily as, I think, partly therapy and truth for himself, to speak truth in his own life. And, and the church prayed, and they prayed, and eventually their daughter came back, which was just awesome. She came back to the Lord. In the midst of all of that, it's just the prayer. Prayer works. And we see it throughout Scripture of how Jesus taught us to pray. And we keep doing it, and we keep doing it, and we keep doing it. Because we trust God to do it. Hey, Liv. Yeah. Then a lot of the times, though, the prayer has to not be from selfishness or just saying, you know, it has to be, it has to go according to God's plan. Like, it would be something that would be in God's will. Sure. That's why when he taught the disciples said, hey, teach us to pray. Okay, Jesus said, when you pray, right, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. In other words, may my will be your will. Be my desires your desires. That's what the prayer life is about. God doesn't necessarily say, you know, I mean, obviously, Paul went to God three times for his thorn in the flesh. And God said, What? No. No. My what? My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. So sometimes God says, No, you need to go through this. Because you need to continue to stay humble. There are things with God that says, you know what? So in other words, was he not a man of faith? Was Paul a man of faith? Absolutely. And yet God sometimes says no. So it's not like, okay, here's the formula. Pray, fix it. It doesn't work that way. Thy will be done. God's will will be done. James concludes this letter with the basis for writing it. Okay? James 5, 19 20. Someone read that for me. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. So James is focused on authentic faith in this passage, in, in, the, in this letter. Okay? Faith without works is dead. That's the theme. The term brothers and sisters refers to Jews. Now, this is also, understand this. When he's talking, often when we see brothers and sisters, what do we think of? Pardon? Our family. family. And in context with scripture, what? The church family. Christians. That's not the passage. That's not the same use here. Because he's talking about his racial heritage. Hey, brothers and sisters, you, you who are Jews, okay, these people, okay, be careful, and those, and those who identify with the church. So brothers and sisters are unsaved people and saved people. Because what is the theme? He's trying to help people to understand, don't just use your heritage, your religious heritage. I'm a Jew. I'm going to heaven. I'm God's chosen. Hey. Like someone who says, well, I was baptized. I was, I was this. I was that. All these things are like, okay, those are great things to have. 
as memorials. You can have your baptismal certificate up on a shelf, on a picture, and all these kind of wonderful things. The question isn't, what did you do in the past? It's what is it in your heart now? The question we have to ask today is the day of salvation. In other words, are we living it today alive? Is it reality for us? Okay? The people who received this letter have heard the truth. Okay? Will they accept it or reject it? Will they go, you know what? It's not just about my religious heritage. I grew up in a Christian home. I had great Christian parents. I grew up in a church. Is it alive in your life now? Is it real in your life now? Will you accept this letter or reject it? Will their faith be authentic or cultural? Now think about that. Will it be authentic? Will it be real Christian faith that will live through persecution? Or is it just cultural Christianity? Well, everybody else is doing it. Everybody else, the bandwagon argument. Every, well, Christians today, they do this. and they, well, There's a lot of diversity today. I don't really, you know, it's really popular. I think we need to change the way we do things to do it this way. No, no, no. Get back to the word. What does it say in the word? Whoever turns the sinner from wrong thinking converts them. They're thinking, you know what? I don't have to have authentic works. I can just have my faith that I can believe in God and that's all that really matters. James is like, mm -mm. when you can convert someone's thinking, you will save them from hell and their multitude of sins will be forgiven. That's what he's talking about here. We're saving them from judgment. If we go back to this, see, he saved them from death. The word death is not physical death. The word here is for spiritual, eternal damnation. So if you convert them, if it's not just, well, you know, I believe in God and that's all that matters. Well, what? No. Are you putting what you believe into practice? And if you do, if you send them out of the air, convince them, turn a sinner from the air of their way, you will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. Every one of their sins will be forgiven. I'm forgiven. Now I have a reason for living. Jesus keeps giving and giving. Giving till my heart overflows, as the song used to say. Okay? Man, God loves you. Christ died for you. But he didn't die just for a belief. He died so that we may have life. And life abundant. And that we would give that to others as well. The abundant Christian life to live it out every moment of our life and to give it to others too. Brother Johnny, we're going to pray you can get back in prison because they need the word of truth. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, may we not just be hearers of your word, but doers of it. May we be faithful with your word and speak the truth in love. God, there, there are times when we all, we don't necessarily know the right thing to say, the right thing to do. And if you communicated to us through James, your pastor in Jerusalem, through this letter, that if anyone lacks wisdom, we should ask you. 
So as we finish out this series on the book of James, God, may we have faith that works. May it be authentic and true. May our yes be yes and our no be no. And may it be in accordance to your word. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.